Welcome to EQ Mind's Recharge Your Mental Health podcast. I'm Chelsea Pottinger, the host of this show, and I have some very exciting news. My book, The Mind for High Performer, is now available in the UK. Tap the link in the description to listen to small shifts you can make today to be a calmer, happier, more productive version of yourself. This week on our podcast, I speak to Brian Hutzer. Brian is an experienced executive, leadership mentor, and investor who is chairman of 2BE. Prior to his current roles, Brian was a CEO of the Westpac Banking Group. And before his time as Westpac CEO, he spent 15 years in senior executive roles at major banks here in Australia and in the UK. Brian's book, The Leadership Star, A Practical Guide to Building Engagement, was really impactful for me in business. Today's episode is about true leadership and serving other people. How do you show you care about your people as a leader? Resilience? How do we effectively lead through high-stress periods of change? What's the best advice that Brian's ever been given as a leader? And how he protects his mental health these days? I learned a lot from Brian from a work and life perspective, and I hope you do too. Let's get started. It is so wonderful to have this incredible leader on our show today, Brian Hutzer. Welcome to the EQ Minds podcast. Thanks, Chelsea. Thanks for having me. Well, I've got to say, you know, I, I listened on Audible to your book and I thought everyone needs to know about this book. Like every leader, or even if you're not a leader in a corporate world, you're leading your family, there's parents out there, or you're just leading your life. There's so many incredible knowledge nuggets, I'd say, in that book. And for those of you that don't know Brian Hartzer, I'd love people to know your backstory and how you ended up here. Sure. Um, Well, I was the product of a typical um, American New England Ivy League sort of upbringing, I guess. I, um, I was very lucky. I went to some good schools, did pretty well in school, um, graduated from an Ivy League university, went into management consulting, thought that I would be a typical um, overachieving, insecure overachiever, um, focused on myself, etc. And then through uh, some consulting pro- assignments, I was sent to Australia down to Melbourne in 1994 and ended up uh, the short version has ended up working for my client and finding that I enjoyed leading people in the sense of helping other people be successful more than I enjoyed being the smart guy in the corner, which is what management consulting was all about. So I embarked on a effectively a, a senior management and banking career. Um, and I uh, worked for ANZ Bank in Melbourne for 10 years um, or 15 years on an office consultants and an employee. And then I went to the UK, um, spent three years in, as one of the senior leaders as part of the turnaround of the Royal Bank of Scotland, which blew up in the financial crisis. So I had a very searing and interesting experience there for a few years. Um, then my marriage broke up and my um, first wife moved back to Australia with the kids. And so I took a job working for Westpac in Sydney and became CEO in 2015. And then we had a uh, big regulatory action against us by Austrac, one of the regulators here. And I was effectively one of the scapegoats um, out of that. And so lost my job in 2019, which was you know, a very interesting experience to go through. Um, 
Uh, and for the last three years, I've been working as in basically in the startup world. I've always had an entrepreneurial bent and a real interest in technology. And uh, I have been working with a number of startups, doing some angel investing, doing some leadership mentoring. And uh, during the COVID lockdown, I wrote a book, uh, which is the one that you mentioned. And so I've been doing a little bit of talking with people about some of the insights in that and, and generally enjoying not having to spend half of my life sitting in committee meetings and, uh, and being able to have a little bit more control over my diary. That's incredible. And I think, you know, that book that we're talking about is called The Leadership Star. And I think you've just, you have so much governance in this space because you've lived and breathed that through your whole life journey in that, in that corporate world. And now you entrepreneurial spirit as well. And one of the things that really struck a chord with me that I could start investing into my own company with different ways to establish really amazing values at EQ Minds. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned in the book was around, you know, true leadership is, is about serving others, what you are just mentioning before. And, and how, how do you show up and care for your people as a leader? And some of the ideas that you came up with, I thought were brilliant in the book around taking that gratitude letter, that handwritten gratitude letter, that, that step further. Can we start there? Yeah, well, I guess it starts with genuinely appreciating that it's, it, it is deeply satisfying to help other people be successful on their own terms. And that was something I would say I discovered rather than chose. You know, I, as I, I said in my preamble, I didn't really think I was going to be that sort of person. I, my first management experience was in an ice cream store um, in college and uh, it went very badly. And I concluded I was never going to be a good people manager. But I, I found myself in this um, situation later and I just discovered that it was seeing the smile on other people's faces when they had achieved something and you'd help them do it just gave me a much deeper satisfaction than you know, getting paid a bonus or winning an award or whatever. That sort of stuff was nice at the moment, but then it faded. But the satisfaction of helping people, I found really sticks with you over time. And um, so I think it's that um, the subtlety for me is about recognizing each person as an individual human being and trying to find a way to connect with them on their own terms that acknowledges and honors who they are, where they're at, what's important to them. Um, and so little things like handwritten cards, which um, are, a, I guess, a bit of an anachronism, um, I found people really appreciated and because it made you stop. And, and the handwritten bit means that you have to slow down and think. Um, and you, you think about what is it particularly I can say to this person that's going to resonate with them. And it was also things like, um, it, in, as CEO of a big company, it's figuring out how you project yourself and how you create symbolic acts that people know about. So I used to ring people on major uh, career milestones, they, 25 years of the company, 40 years for the company, 50 years for the company, call from the CEO, get them to tell you their story, listen to that. People really appreciated that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but at its heart, it's really about discovering a genuine interest in people and taking the time for people. And I learned from my father the importance of honoring everybody that you came across, whether they were the janitor or the, the CEO, and, and that they were all equal human beings um, and they all had a role to play. And, um, and I think if you just adopt that basic philosophy, then these other things just kind of happen. You start to spot the opportunities that are relevant in the situation. It's so great. 
And it's, it creates such an incredible connection on a deeper level when you do things like that. And one of, one of the stories that I remember reading, you know, two things. One, the printed, you know, mass Christmas cards just signed by the leader in the bin. I thought, that's true. <laughs> so I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, I actually never done that. I've always handwritten the cards. And two, that whole thing around making that person almost stand out like the hero in their loved one's eyes. And yeah, beautiful example that you did that at, at your work. Can you share that story with us? Oh, well, there's a few. I, I think um, certainly one of the, where I got uh, clued into that was it happened to me when I, I started uh, my first job in consulting. Two months in, my boss rang, uh, sorry, my father rang me up and said, I just got a letter from your boss. And uh, I remember panicking and he said, let me read it to you. And it, it says something to the effect of, dear Mr. Hartz, I just wanted to let you know what a great job your son is doing. He's settled in really well here and we think he's got a great future and you should be really proud. And um, it just blew my father away. I was obviously pretty chuffed about that. And, um, and for probably eight years later, um, whenever I was thinking of leaving the company, my father would go, oh, remember, this is quite a good company. You know? um, and uh, that just really struck with me that um, each person's situation is different. And you want to bring a level of emotional content to how you connect with people. Um, and... Uh, and their family situation is is part of that. I think taking an interest in what makes them unique, their backstory, all the rest of it is, I think, part of how you how you connect with people. And um, at least for me, I discovered it was a um, a genuine thing that I just enjoyed it and I got value out of it. It wasn't, you know, something that you had to fake. Once you started to really see each person as an individual, it it just kind of kind of happened. That's brilliant. I loved that story. I loved that story and. I think also that's so true. It's, it really has to come from a place of authenticity and and genuine, you know, with no agenda thought out. It's this really true. I'm just thinking about you, and and this is what I wanted to say. And yeah, I think that's brilliant. And you know, another component of the leadership star, and I think, gosh, you've got the governance here to speak about this kind of stuff too, is around really that resilience piece. You know, we've gone through, or still kind of going through, the back ends of this pandemic. We've got wars across the world. Uh, we've got constant change, you know, in amongst our corporations. Resilience, I want to touch on this, you know, how, how do you effectively lead through high stress and, and periods of change? And I was wondering if we could touch on that because you've had yeah. some experience yourself in that space. I have, I have. Well, one of the things I say, which is not maybe the most helpful thing, is I discovered I was resilient rather than trying to have some great strategy for resilience. Um so I went through a very difficult, painful, surprise, surprising to me, divorce. Um, my, my, my wife left and the kids were taken to the other side of the world to be with their mother, which, you know, as these things happen. Um, and, but every day I just got up and I went to work and I did my job. And over time I got through it. And mm-hmm. so I think, and that turned out to be a really useful experience for me when I went into the job at Westpac because Going into that, I knew, gee, if I can get through that, I can get through anything. So I think one of it, one element, perhaps, if you want to put a strategy on it, is reflecting on the difficult things you have been through, and saying, well, you know, you got through that, and what did you get out of that? And um, and so, reminding yourself that you you can get through things is is one piece. I think the second piece, which is probably the thing that helped me the most, was the advice to separate 
how you feel about your job success from how you feel about yourself as a person. And um, people who are ambitious often, and I did, co-mingle those things so that when things are going really well at work, you think you're brilliant. And when things are going badly, you think you're terrible. And someone pointed this out to me and said, neither of these things is true. And, and actually, you need to decide how you feel about yourself. And for me, that's about, you know, am I proud of the way that I'm treating people? Have I, have I worked hard? Have I done everything I can? Have I thought clearly? Have I been aware of my biases? Um, have, I, am I, have I made decisions in the interest of other people rather than selfishly? Am I looking after my relationships with my family, my friends, my wife? And if those things are true, then I'm okay. And then uh, my little mantra is all I can do is all I can do and it will be what it'll be. Because what I've learned the hard way is there's a lot of randomness in life. Mm -hmm. You can't control everything. When you're you're early on in your career and you're on your own, you start to think um, that you can control your outcomes. Yeah. But but really you can't. Um, And and as life goes on and as your responsibilities get bigger, as your family grows, you begin to appreciate that there is chaos in life and that things are going to happen. And so you can just control what you can control and you can hope for the best, but recognize that you can't, you can't force it. And, and so you have to get your own sense of satisfaction from the inputs in a sense, rather than the outputs. Um, I guess. And I found once that once I made that mental leap, a lot of the stress in my life evaporated um, just very naturally when I started to realize things are going to happen. And for me, a lot of it was actually having children and realizing, you know, they are going to be who they are and they've got their own their own path and their own and it's chaos and you are not in control. (laughs) And and that was quite a useful thing to learn. Um, And and so it's. I think when you can get in that headspace, it, it really helps you be more resilient to the things that go on outside of you. And, and you go back to the COVID thing um, and or stressful. You talked about the stresses people are facing at work. I think the advice I often give people is control what you can control. Um, look for things that you can control and, and focus on that. And, and, but, but don't spend your time allowing the things you can't control to affect your mood or, or your happiness because you're on a hiding to nothing. That is absolutely a hundred percent true. And I think you hit it on the head. Life is chaotic. It is an inevitable part of life. When we're out there having a crack at life, we're going to stuff it up. Oh, we're going to muck it up a myriad of times, but you know, it's always in those challenging times. That's kind of where we grow, you know, and I, I actually really welcome failures in and setbacks and change. Cause I'm like, I wonder what I'm going to learn from this. And so it kind of just, I always think that's where the grit lies, right? Like to know what you're just saying, because I could get through that, you know, that really tough time through that divorce and I got through that, I know that life can throw me a lot of things and I'm going to be okay. And so I think that's really reassuring for people out there to go, If by the way, if you're listening and you haven't had a uh, setback yet, it's coming. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Stage. yeah. Um, yeah. I gave so- a talk once called How My Failures Created My Success. Yes, and, and it was actually when I looked back on all the big things I learned through my career, they were generally associated with something going wrong. Yes, and how true is that? Mm. What's the best advice you've been given as a leader? Um, that's a hard one. I, I'll I'll tell you two things that come to mind. So one is something I read, which was that becoming a leader 
was about becoming yourself and that it was both that simple and that hard. Mm. And so this thing about authenticity is, I think, very real. But the element of that is doing the work to really understand yourself, what matters to you, what's important, what your values really are, what sort of impact you want to have on the world, what um, what emotional scars you've got that affect how you turn up with other people. Uh, so I think that bit of really doing the hard work, going to the hard places to understand yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do think that makes, it's probably the most important thing long-term in terms of your success, because you can, you can intellectualize your way to success for a period of time, but eventually it becomes those deeper things that hold you back. And so learning about yourself and learning to deal with your stuff, um, which we've all, we all got stuff, um, I think is really important. The other one, if I can throw another one in, it would be a really interesting thing someone said to me recently, which was, we judge other people based on our action, their actions, and we judge ourselves based on our intentions. And so um, the, the point of that is that we often impute intention in what other people do, but in reality, we don't know mm-hmm. why people do things. And, and, and we're very quick to assume bad intent of other people. Um, and yet we think our intentions are always pure. Um, and so there's a certain irony and insight in that. And I think if you, if you take the view that, um, and this sounds a little new agey, I guess, but if you make the assumption that everybody is suffering yep. in some way and that, and that what you're seeing in the way they deal with you is them manifesting their suffering or their fears more than their intention to do harm to you, it explains a lot of behavior, and I think, in, in particularly in a professional environment, and it it allows you to become more empathetic and more successful in building relationships and getting things done. Sage advice. That is just so wonderful, and that is so true. I, Brian, I mean, I could talk to you for hours, but you're a leader. You're a very time-compressed professional. I just want to round it up with this last question because you're probably one of the busiest men that I know. And how do you fit in taking care of yourself? You know, this is a mental health podcast and I've I've seen you before and we've worked together and I would love to know, you know, what are you doing daily to make sure that this, your brain keeps thriving and you're staying, I guess, in your, in your peak performance as you can, as we're all aging. Gosh, I wish I was a, a perfect exemplar of that. I would say um, that I, I think it's really important to stay curious. And um, I, I try to expose myself to different ideas, different people. Um, it's part of why I really enjoy working with startups is just these incredible ideas that people have. And I think that keeps you fresh and keeps you out of a rut. Um, I do think that at least some level of exercise is really important to um, help you manage your mood and, and stay positive about things. Um, and, and I think, um, I guess if I had to pick a third one, it would be, I'm really big on appreciation and gratitude. And, you know, I, um, I'm incredibly blessed with a great family and a wife that I adore. Um, and uh, I just make a point of saying to her and, and reminding myself literally daily just how lucky I am. 
Um, and yeah, there's things that stress me out and there's a lot of things that I'm think are unfair in life. And, you know, I kind of wish things hadn't played out quite the way they had, but reality is I'm, I've been incredibly lucky in so many respects and I just try and remind myself of that. And, and I think that helps you keep things in perspective, um, where, and, and I think so many people, probably almost anybody listening to this podcast, the reality is we live in an incredibly affluent society. You know, we're not starving. We're, you know, we're well paid. The sun is shining mostly unless you live in Sydney. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's really easy to get miserable about things um, because of social media and all the usual things everyone talks about. And yes, there's a lot of challenges in the world. and There's a lot of unfairness in the world. But really, compared to 10, 20, 100 years ago, we're very, very blessed in so many respects. And I, I, for my mental health, just reminding myself of that a lot is probably the most important thing I do. Now, Brian Hutzer, we appreciate you. That is for sure. I am so grateful, A, for the work that you do, for the book that you released that was game-changing for me. Where can our audience find more? Where can they buy The Leadership Star? And how do we follow more of your work these days? Uh, well, the, the book is sold in all good places. Um, so that should be hopefully pretty easy to find. Leadershipstar.com uh, is a website where you can go and download a free chapter if you're curious but not sure you want to spend the money. Um, and then I'm on LinkedIn and I um, uh, talk about my various businesses that I'm very proud to be involved with there. And I'm happy to hear from people in that way. Brian, thank you so, so much for your time today and for all your incredible tips and advice. Really Pleasure. appreciate it. And thank you, Chelsea, for everything that you do. It's, uh, I've, I've seen how good you are with teams and um, I would certainly commend your services to anybody who wants to build an engaged, highly performing team. Thank you so much for that. This podcast and the information contained therein is made available for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide medical advice. This information should not be used as a substitute for competent medical advice from a licensed specialist, doctor or psychologist. Thank you.